Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in pints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. This episode of Beer with Geeks is a rebroadcast from the show Read Up, which is a show I used to do about reading books. Uh, This is about the Sandman audible radio drama from uh, Audible. I thought we would re-release this in honor of the Sandman getting released on Netflix. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. I'm Tim, and with me, guest starring today, as he's prone to do because he's a wonderful person, is Scott from the DC Squadcast. How are you today? I am from your dreams, Tim, here to help you with your podcast. Oh, thank God. I had the weirdest dream last night. So I'm riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but I'm at my grandmother's house, and it can't fit a Tyrannosaurus Rex inside. So I'm like, is it a tiny one? Or is the house really big? I don't know what the, what are the dimensions. It's it was it was strange. <laughs> People, if they haven't, yeah, hopefully they've seen the title of what book we're, we're well book. I'm going to use air quotes. We're reviewing today. It, they're probably like, what the heck? What the heck are you talking about? I mean, I think they think that every time they listen to this show. But what am I? Who am I? Just the host. Anyway, we're talking about the Audible adaptation, the Audible original. Uh, adaptation of The Sandman by Neil Gaiman, and this one is directed by Dirk Maggs. We don't normally just do audiobooks or audio dramas on here, but um, we're both we're both white and nerdy. And, um, <laughs> this and sounds like a Weird Al Yankovic song just waiting to happen. I think it, is, I think it, it actually is a, is a Weird, it is a weird <laughs> Al song. Um, and so... Um, yeah, da, 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 getting white and nerdy. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it is a weird ass <laughs> song. But um, so anyway, so Audible adapted its first in the line of Neil Gaiman Sandman, which is a um a Vertigo comic from the eighties, and you know it's come back many many times over over the years. DC Comics, and they're like, let's we can't get a TV show to work, everyone, and we can't get a movie to work, so let's uh let's try or let's try a radio play, and it was great. It was amazing. I I was not prepared for the production quality that this audio drama produced because I've listened to some of Audible's like the ones that come in their drama series mm-hmm. and they're usually just okay. You know, cuz yep. this isn't an audio book. This is an old school 
radio production like you would listen to like The Shadow or yes. or something else back from like the 30s and the 40s. It's got music. It's got narration. It's got actors playing all these different characters. It does not feel like a book. It feels like I've turned on my – I'm sitting around those like radios that are like the size of a refrigerator and just listening by the fire. That's, exa- that's exactly what it's like. My grandma, speaking of my grandmother, I don't know why she's popped up so much this episode, but she used to watch the, she used to listen to The Shadow. That was like one of her like jams back when, when she, w- when it was on, which I think is so cool because I would have been like, if I was alive, I would have been right there listening with her. It would have been cool. Um, so anyway, uh, the Sandman stars one of the best casts ever assembled for anything. Like, I remember when they released the cast list, and I was like, holy moly. I know. Riz Ahmed as the Corinthian. Kat Dennings as Death. Taron Egerton as John Constantine. Neil Gaiman as the narrator, because I love when he narrates his own stuff, because it just feels so authentic. Oh, I need Gaiman's voice in my life. That's just basically what it comes down to. He's so good. I love him so much. Um, James McAvoy as Morpheus, um, the Sandman himself. Samantha Morton as Urana Blackwell. B.B. Newirth as the Siamese cat. Andy frickin' Circus as Matthew the Raven. And Michael frickin' Sheen as Lucifer himself. What a cast. And that's just... The stars. That's just... Those are the names you probably just recognize. That's not counting the fleets and fleets of people that are in this um, that are in this uh, story. It was just marvelous. Now, fun fact: I had never read Sandman ever. This was ever. my ever. I tried reading the first volume, and I couldn't get into. I couldn't get around Sam Keith's art because I really just don't care for Sam. It's Sam Keith and somebody else. Uh, Mike Der- Derrickaberg. I, I, I'm butchering his last name, but something of that. Yeah. Yeah. But to, to, yeah, I, I just, I couldn't, I didn't care for it. And so I just couldn't get around it. And so I was not tentative going into Sandman, but I was, cause I like Neil Gaiman a lot, but I, I, but I was like, mm, I never really got into the book. So how am I going to feel about getting into the audible original? And I couldn't stop listening. I couldn't stop. And I'm usually like a 1.25, 1.5 listener on audible. Like I'm like a speed it up a little bit. You know, we've got places to be one, one speed the whole time as it was meant to be listened. I had to hear it the way it was intended because it was so freaking good. I have, I'm on a similar uh, trajectory with you with the exception of I own all the absolute editions, like the beautiful leather bound slip cover oh, of very nice of, of all five volumes of Sandman and death and overture. So this actually was my kick in the pants to finally crack them open because the audible original drama that we're reviewing today adapts the first 20 issues of the comic mm-hmm. which right. which makes up the three the first three trade paperbacks which are called preludes and nocturnes a doll's house and dream country right and those right. are the first three and then for the absolute edition that's the first volume so I, I opened up that one giant hardcover, and that was everything that got adapted for this 
Audible drama. I don't have the problem with Sam Keith's art that you did. It's very reminiscent to me of Todd McFarlane's style. It is very Todd McFarlane. It's just a little more uh, macabre, I guess, if that makes sense. Like yes. A little more elongated. It's it's a little bit more abstract than than McFarlane. But it, it part of it, I think, is honestly, it's like 80s coloring 80s inking you know it's like almost it's not even so much the artist is so much like the the dated um mm-hmm. the dated um art around like art around it you know well but- you might want to check out the anniversary editions though because like a lot of those 80s books like killing joke and those kind of things uh they uh, for their like the 30th anniversary like they start off with the absolute editions they've gone back and done a recoloring Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. I, I should go back. I, Do you I, have I should... Comixology Unlimited? No, I don't. Um, I, I treat it like I do. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you if you ever feel like you, know, you get you get the first like sixty days for free, um, and the first three volumes are Comixology Unlimited, so you can borrow them. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. So just just uh, once again, I'm out here pimping out books like nobody's business. But uh, well, that's what we do here on Read Up. It's, it's what we do here it. on Read Up. So I would I would say if you ever have an inclination, give it another shot because a beautiful thing about this audio drama that maybe you're not aware of because you haven't read the comic is this is almost this almost is a word for word straight up faithful adaptation like you i read the comic two days before i listened to this audio drama and i it 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 was the comic they kept all the dated references they kept all the characters it, it if you listen to this audio drama you have in effect read the first 20 issues of sandman that is see that and i i did notice that because i because I have the first volume, you know, so I, as I was going, I was like, let me just see, like, how is it doing? It's page for page. Yes. Like, word for, it's almost word for word, you know, and you just, they just added stuff for context when they needed it. But by God, it was wonderful. What I do want to do, instead of just talking, like, completely around it as it being wonderful and everybody should go and get Audible and listen to it. You, Which you, you should. Have Audible, get it for free. Like, this is the one, sign up and this is your free one, you know. But, it, you know, if you love books and you're commuting in any particular way, even if you're going for walks, you know, there's nothing better than listening to an audio book or a podcast. And so... Music. Who needs music anymore? Um, no, just kidding. I'm a musician. I love music. Um, what I'd like to do, I have the episode lists in front of me. And even if we don't remember specifics about each particular one, um, I at least want to call attention to I want to call attention to a few really good um, episodes, issues, I guess you'd, you'd call them. I and then I would also kind of in in the sense of fairness to the review, I actually even have a couple. There was there was two episodes of the audio drama that I wanted to also point out that didn't work for me. That's great. That's perfect. Um, I think I have. I think I actually have some of those. I have myself. But starting right from the sleep of the just, you know. So in the whole setup is that Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams you know, is captured by this, you know, wizard, magician, person, blah, blah, blah. And and he just spends a long time in captivity. And it goes like, it just kind of, the story works around him in captivity. I think 
from a storytelling perspective, your main character not saying anything for such a long time is really interesting. Yes, especially when you've got freaking James McAvoy as your main character. Yeah, and he actually recorded his bit during quarantine um, because he was like he was he was on the West End doing a play. And didn't ha- and he asked if he could record in like late February or something like that, like when the play was done, so he wouldn't strain his voice. And they're like, "Yeah, sure, you'll be the last one, no big deal." Then everybody got stuck in their houses, and so so he made a makeshift recording studio in his closet. But he was able to listen to every single buddy's performance before recording, so he was actually able to play off of what they were bringing in their performance, which really I think helps him quite a bit. Oh, that's amazing because. A lot of this production, you saw behind-the-scenes pictures because one of the day players, if you want to call it, Ray Porter, who for various other reasons – The MVP of this audiobook, <laughs> I, if I must say so. He is he is Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. He's Beelzebub. He's – Richard Burbage. Guy, Richard Burbage. He is the best. Chameleon was so good. But continue. I- but thanks to his Twitter feed, I saw that they did do recording sessions where they were all in the room together, kind of like what we used to see with old Batman the Animated oh, Series recording sessions. Great. So there's pictures of him, like him, Michael Sheen, basically like the three lords of hell. Like they were all recording together. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Because so they really were able to act off of one another. I mean, that's how you do old school radio. That's like, you know, you talk about Orson Welles in the shadow. They were all in the same room together. There was like some dude with some chains next to a microphone and be like, and then the chain shook. And he's like, Shh. you know, like right, right there. But that's, it's hard to act in a box when nobody's around you. You know, you just do a bunch of different takes and hope that, you know, different actors play off each other the correct way give me a happy one give me a sad one give me you know this and this and this so man that's cool ray porter man though thanks for sharing and also thanks for being great um so so that first those the first couple of episodes really really worked for me because they they just um they're enrapturing you're like you want to know what happens like you just need to know so by the time that the by the time that the episodes start to creep away from morpheus a little bit where they start to be about some other characters you're invested in the world absolutely and i also thought it was interesting how they did that where even though neil gaiman is the narrator of the overall audio drama there were specific episodes of the audio drama where They relied on the point of view of a different character, and so Mm -hmm. they kind of took over as the narrator and gave Neil Gaiman a break, which added some variety. Like by the time you get to the third episode, Dream a Little Dream, and the entire story is narrated by Constantine. Right, right. Who they called Constantine a bit in this, and that was like – that was probably the only thing that really bothered me where I was like, his name is John Constantine. But didn't Alan Moore, the creator of the character, even call him John Constantine? Yeah, he sure did. Yep. You know. So I'm just I'm just like, yeah, it bothered me too, but it's like, eh, you know, it's a it's a thing. I mean, even Crisis on Infinite Earths made a joke out of that. So it's like it's a thing in the zeitgeist. That's, it is. No, you're right. You're right, but it is uh I guess I mean if you're adhering to 
if the way I'm almost looking at it is the difference between like Lucius and Lucius, if that yes. makes sense. You yes. know, like they're the same name sometimes, but in different places you say them differently. But what did you think of Taron Egerton as John Constantine? I thought it was interesting based on previous incarnations of the character to get a version that was so young. Yes, I agree. He was not so hard boiled yet that he you couldn't crack him open. Right. Which was fine because the character if you go back to even his run in Vertigo comics aged in real time. So right. it works out that well, if you're going to talk about a comic that was written in 1989, he's I, I thought it was it was actually more accurate to the character to have him so young, no matter how jarring it was for me, who's used to seeing Constantine as like a 40s, 40s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 40s ish. Been smoking for 20 something years, you know, like that a little more gruff because um, his, his Egerton's Constantine really wasn't gruff. He was sassy. But he wasn't he wasn't so Raymond Chandler yet. Right. He he was he was he, there was there, the apathy wasn't as strong in this one. <laughs> no, sure wasn't. No, but that's OK. That's OK. I, I enjoyed it. I like the I like the the idea of the or the conceit of the first couple of episodes where Morpheus has to go around and collect stuff because it's almost like this like it's almost like a um I don't know, like a fun caravan ride through DC Comics because Sandman is connected to DC Comics so early on in it, in its in its run, where you know, like you get Etrigan showing up, and you know, the Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter. They talk about the Justice League, a couple Dark of Side, times. and the apoc and, and the Apocalypticians. It's like that was the thing that blew my mind. Was I had been told years ago? No, it's in canon. Like it's connected. I was not prepared for just. How like freaking Mister Miracle shows up because just yeah. they have the Justice League International like wow that's a deep dive even for a DC Comics nerd. I agree, but what is so crazy and cool about it is that they didn't they didn't change the dated reference like they didn't take Sandman and be like okay well let's put it in 2019 or 2020 or you know something like that. No, this is it's happening at the time that the comic happened, like which I thought was very cool of them um, because they hope to do more. I mean, I think they will. I mean, this has been extremely successful. So it's got a five, five out of five rating or 4.8 out of five on, on audible. Like you don't get much better than that. Um, um, Michael Sheen as Lucifer nailed it. Personally it was speaking. weird though, because that was a different, like I knew it was Michael Sheen, but it sounded so different than almost any Michael Sheen I've heard. And I've seen Michael Sheen play bad guys. I've seen him play vampires. I saw Twilight. You know, right. it was just but And but, Underworld. And Underworld. Wow, you're right. Yeah. So but his Lucifer, I think this just just a test to Michael Sheen as an actor, his Lucifer still sounded different than any other Michael Sheen voice I've heard. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it to speak to the, his versatility as an actor. I was listening to him, and I was like, "Please adapt Lucifer as your next like audible drama, please, because yes. I want to listen to I want to listen to Michael Sheen be awesome all the time, all the time." I need that in my ears, please, please yeah. do that audible. We will pay you, money. You um you had mentioned um you had mentioned. John Jones, who they call John Johns, 
Would bug? Oh, that no, that was just like okay. That that was just me going. Neil, you no, that's not how you pronounce that name. Yeah, the I blame Dirk Mags, the director. Somebody, just do a double check. How do you? This is a weird spelled name. How do you pronounce it? Okay, cool. But anyway, uh, that one, the characters in it, you know, it starred. You know, you mentioned Scott Free, Mister Miracle, had John Jones in it. It had the Scarecrow in it. Which was fun, um, you know, Doctor Destiny, Doctor Destiny, and that was where I was going for William Hope as Doctor Destiny, Doctor John D. And I think Passengers and the next episode after that, Twenty Four Hours, oh, amazing, amazing. It, I think this, the re the listen was worth it. I think just for Twenty Four Hours, Twenty Four Hours was actually one that almost triggered my. Like I have a I have a condition and 24 hours almost triggered me with because mm. the sound effects and the production uh, that was one where the audible adaptation even enhanced the comic like the audio freaked me out more mm. than reading the comic did so and so seeing the visuals was not as disturbing as the sound effects that yep. they used in that episode yeah so that for those who don't know the idea is that there are people in a diner and they uh can't leave and i'll kind of leave it at that like they just kind of get trapped there uh and it is just madness it is horrifying yeah, it, it, there's a um, an old an old film that name escapes me right now, but there's like a it, it is it's, it's a little si it's similar um, um, where these these guests are at dinner and they try to leave and they just can't seem to get out of the house. Something always just pulls them back in, so it becomes this very claustrophobic film, and it was. Um, it's wild, and and this one is it's just as wild, if not wilder. Yeah, so that that was one of those cases where I was like, no, this actually in this one improved on the comic just because of the production value. That's mm -hmm. how powerful twenty four hours was. Uh, what what was the next? Because we're we're getting there's just so many good ones. We could literally just almost go episode by episode, but we're getting close to one of the two episodes that for me, I was like didn't, didn't work. Okay, well, I mean, we I don't have to say everything about anything. But so like episode A is the sound of her wings, which is the introduction of death. Cat Dennings as death, um, which I thought really worked. I thought she was really. I thought she was a really strong. I thought that was really strong casting. Absolutely. I think even Neil Gaiman said it was weird for them because they cast her because she actually looks like death. She like, does. She, she looks like the way does. the character is portrayed in the comic, even though they were just casting her voice. Yep, absolutely does. I thought she had this real sense of playfulness, but also melancholy, but also this like underst like warped understanding. It was and, this. And it was heart. this wisdom that she had that death has in the comic. Like it's like. It's okay because there's nothing threatening about death. That's kind of the point. Death mm -hmm. is not something to be afraid of. Yes, exactly. It, it was it, – and the cyclical nature of it, you know, like I'll see you again real – I'll see you soon. Like this really good play in it. One that didn't work for me 
and I really wanted it to was Tales in the Sand, which was the the African um, the African Sandman story. Um, I don't know how else to describe it because it, it's it's what like it is. a folk it's like a folk tale it's, 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 like a, a, folk it's a folk tale. tale it's like an Anasi story yes and and um I think I needed the visuals for this one to help me because I had gone through eight episodes of listening to particular voices to particular characters and so and everybody got changed out except for Neil Gaiman and so and it's a it's a story and because it's a narrator within a narrator and almost within another narrator it's almost like a russian it's like a russian doll so like a russian nesting doll so i i was i got oh i I became a little confused in its execution now that i thought the story was bad don't get me wrong uh but i i but i this one i felt like i needed to see it to appreciate it and then funny enough i had that reaction with the the next episode, Men of Good Fortune, which is the one where basically it's just a conversation between two people throughout time. Mm-hmm. And that for me was really boring and uninteresting in audio. Oh, that's – I loved this one. Where oh, like, really? I loved this one. So the idea is that Morpheus like – it basically grants immortality or whatever, right, to this to this random dude, and yes. they meet up every year at the exact same spot. So you get to see over the course of the centuries what that spot becomes and how he and how that guy reacts to the world and what he learns and what he doesn't learn, and then what Morpheus learns on top of that. I I actually really really appreciated this one. Well, I think I I think maybe I need to. I need to clarify. I don't think the story is bad. I, I was just saying it worked so much better as a issue of the comic that the audio adaptation didn't move the needle for me. Like some of the like, – like what, the reason I, I praised 24 Hours so much is I felt like it actually took the comic and elevated it. And gotcha. others are just delivering on the comic. This was one that was like the – the adaptation didn't work for me. I would skip this one and just go and read the comic book of gotcha. this one for me because I liked it in the comic book. It was just the audible adaptation of it that just didn't work for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. What about the next couple of episodes? Because these were all about the Corinthian and you know, it was like an extendedly long period of you know there was like jed walker it's an arc basically so yeah um i will say that the audible adaptation i think there was there was one particular episode that i am blanking on that was the other one that just did not work for me it was in this this is all this is all part of the dollhouse arc so we're basically we've hit the second volume of the graphic novel collections and for the most part, I thought this Audible adaptation made this arc more interesting to me than reading the comic because, mm-hmm. like, I gave volume one five stars. I gave volume three five stars. I only gave volume two four stars. And the Audible helped with it, but there is an episode in here that I think it is in episode 15, Into the Night – that was the one that was not like audio, like as an audio adaptation, 
just there, it didn't offer me anything as a as an audio, yes. which is interesting because coming right off of episode fourteen, collectors, which oh uh, one. I don't want to give away the twist of what that episode's about because it's really fun when it hits you like, yes. oh, my God, this is what this is. But there is a analogy like the events of episode 14 are analogous to something else that we as nerds would get. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the audio drama was another one where it enhanced the analogy even better to where you maybe you got it when you read the comic, but it really hits home when you hear the way they mix the sound design to go, oh, God, yeah, this is totally what Neil Gaiman was meaning to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really strong about this whole this whole thing is that it because he's also in on it, you can feel Gaiman's fingerprints. And so, like, you get what he's trying to do. Gaiman is a one – he paints a beautiful picture with his words. And when you listen to him say his own words, he, like, is almost like recoloring an 80s comic himself, right? You know, he makes it all that much more lush. Um, But I agree. I think those – these middle chapters with the Corinthians, some of it works really well and some of it – some of it I was ready to kind of move on from at a certain point. I was like, okay, let's let's go. Let's get to the next one. Um, I really love Calliope though about the guy who the writer oh. who like who like takes the muse because I think I think it, it's it's a strong and deeply disturbing message then, but I think it hits home really strongly now in in the world of of me um, of me too and you know and people's uh, civil liberties and freedoms and you know what the choice is and I. It, and abuse and abuse. Yep, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Part, partner abuse and everything. It. I I had heard about Calliope years ago, mm-hmm. like like before. I, I mean, years before I even read Sandman. I, I had been told about this story in particular by another English teacher friend who doesn't do comics, okay. but she got into Sandman and she specifically referenced this story, mm. and and. Once again, it was another one of those where I read it. It was good, but it was when I was listening to the Audible adaptation that bridges, like bridges, were connected in my brain. Going, oh man, yeah, like it, it went. To, it didn't hit until I listened to the Audible. The way that it that maybe it didn't hit for me when I read the comic. Either the comic is really good. Yeah, I, either way, both good, and then. And then we kind of get – we come around basically to the end. We got to – honestly, we have two episodes, Dream of a Thousand Cats and Facade, that I actually don't really remember exactly what happened. Oh, okay. I love I love A Dream of, uh, a, Dream of a Thousand Cats because that's the one where B.B. Newirth is the voice of the cat. And it tells it, – it, it, if anyone has a cat, it kind of is a funny story <laughs> to, to listen to. But I just love listening to B.B. Newirth, you know, from back from old Broadway days. Just like oh, that. Oh, yeah. That just that worked for me so much, and facade was the was a great one where Morpheus doesn't show up at all. It's it's a death story, and which was, I think, more death. I, I I'm just having a problem remembering what happened, but it doesn't matter because you know what we don't do spoilers anyway, so that's okay. And then I think arguably one of the most famous issues of Sandman is a Midsummer Night's Dream. 
because it won the World Fantasy Award, which was the first time that a comic or graphic novel or anything of that medium had won that award. It was another one of those late 80s, early 90s recognitions that comics can be literature. That's right. And I, it, this episode, the, there was a documentary on the History Channel in the early 2000s called Comic Book Superheroes Unmasked, uh, which is actually on YouTube. It's only about an hour. And if, you, if you're looking for like a, what's the comic book industry about and how did it start? And, you're, you know, and like, how do I like what's important and what's not? It's really, really strong. It's a really strong documentary. I, I love it. I, it was it came out about the time the Wolverine was coming out because Leif Schreiber um, is the host. Oh, yeah, that was the one on PBS, right? No. Or the, that, OK, that, that was a PBS different one. The PBS one was a, like a three part series this was this was definitely on the history channel and it was only about an hour maybe an okay. hour and a half so funny that Lee schreiber hosted both of them so did he really i don't remember him posting the the second one but yeah, he did he did that he did the uh the, the pbs one. Oh, that's yeah. great well he's like oh you're so good at this one come do this one too but anyway so this is like uh this is shakespeare putting on a midsummer night's dream for the characters of a midsummer night's dream basically yes and and it with is arthur darvel as william shakespeare also also inspired casting um he was wonderful oh he man was great. he was great um i loved this one i thought i i i even just listening to it i understood why this won the world fantasy award it's a great concept and they're just I love the asides where you're not really listening to a Midsummer Night's Dream. You're like you're listening to what the characters of a Midsummer Night's Dream as real figures think about what they're watching and why Morpheus put this all together in the first place. And it was cool. It was very cool. As someone who this is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, or at least the Shakespeare play that I have actually performed in, I've been involved in three different productions of this play. Have you really? <laughs> Oh, yes. So I've been Lysander, Oberon, and then I was a stage manager in college. And nice. so it's one of those I'm just like, I just start reciting the – like as soon as, as soon as they start saying the play, I'm like, I just start reciting it because like I know this one way too well. So this this issue and this episode of the audible drama was just primed to go, this is fantastic. And it's also interesting that this is the one issue where they actually swap the order because this was actually issue 19 – of the comic, but they swapped it with facade so that this is where the audible drama ends is on this story, gotcha. which was an interesting bit of editing where they go, we want to end on a bang. So we're actually for the first time ever going to swap the story order because they're both standalone stories anyway. Right. So you can do that. And I think it was a great way to, it was a great way to end. What a, it's a, I think at this point, at by episode twenty, you're either real, you're you're either in for the the wacky world of the Sandman or you're not, right? And so, um, and I think a Midsummer Night's Dream really encapsulates a lot of what Gaiman is. Never mind, really, just the Sandman, but in, in and um. You have to almost in a lot in a weird way. I think to be a lover of myth and literature is is part of what makes Sandman so attractive to people uh, or Neil Gaiman himself. But I think, I think the audible drama just does a really bang up job on the whole thing. 
I mean, we've gone on for almost half an hour at this point, and we were like, yeah, maybe 15 minutes. We don't want to talk about everything. And what did we end up doing? And we talked about everything. Because, you know, you know and we didn't spoil a thing. A thing. <laughs> and that's the important part. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I loved it, and I know you loved it. Um, so let's maybe we just won't we we won't continue this any further. But uh, Scott, why don't you tell everyone where they can listen to you on their on their own time? Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at scottdc27, and I would please beg that if you don't already do so, because I've been on this podcast so many times, you know where to find me, because you can go to your podcatcher and look for DC Film Squadcast and listen to me talk about DC comics, movies, and television shows, because this is my jam. That's right. That's right. It's his, it's his, it's his Blackberry jam. <laughs> Raspberry. Everyone ever says, like, it's my jam. I just think of Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> Only one man would dare give me the raspberry. <laughs> Lone Star. That's uh, good stuff. Uh, well, Scott, of course, thank you. Thank you, as always, for coming on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, you too, Tim. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at Timothy PG13. Rate and review Read Up on iTunes and listen on any place podcasts can be found. Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.